867-5309. What's that, like your sixth uh, cup of refreshment there? No, I'm just in a good mood today. I don't know why. Ah. Especially after you, you heard us, we heard you serenading us from the shower earlier. Are, are we already on? Are we already rolling? Yes. So oh, everybody geez. just heard that. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I don't know. I've had like all these '80s songs stuck in my head today. Which I'm just gonna. We should just roll right into the news. Actually, we'll do that after the little intro. Okay. It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. Broadcasting from the Thin Line Off-Road Studio, they're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up, here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. So we were just going to pause and just pick up. but <laughs> Oh, whatever. <laughs> so, uh... No, okay. Let's just let's just do that. So that was the shortest going into the intro banter. <laughs> unless you want to change it up. No, I don't I'm know, for man. it. I like you, it. You're for it. Okay. I like it. 80s thing. So I'm sitting here. I'm an 80s thing. Yeah, you kind of are. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I am taking and I'm sitting here and I'm trying to Google something else. And mm-hmm. something comes up that I saw yesterday that I was really, really confused about. I don't want to know what was in your wish search history, bro. Well, that was, I already showed you some of that. <laughs> yeah, the one shirt was pretty good, though. <laughs> so anyway. I'm driving up Grossbeck Highway mm-hmm. out in Clinton. I think it's Clinton Township, Michigan, where it's at. And I'm driving up, and I see this sign mm-hmm. that immediately takes me back to my childhood. Okay. And put me into a lot of confusion. And I was actually thinking about it for a couple hours yesterday, just on and off. Yeah. And then I just kind of slipped out of my mind, but then it went back here. Mm-hmm. Major Magics. Heard of it. Never been. Major Magics, <laughs> when I was a kid, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Major Magics in the metro Detroit area, they had a whole bunch of them, was kind of like Chuck E. Cheese. I've been there like twice in my life. But these places were slightly more terrifying. Really? Yeah, okay. So they had this whole Major Magics musical review thing, mm-hmm. and they had these animatronic characters, rats and... A piano with a face. That's cool. And all this stuff, and it sang and it danced up on the nice. stage. Nice. And you eat this, and I remember That's back. That's actually kind of terrifying. Yeah. I remember the pizza, <laughs> so I'm gonna be really disappointed. So, anyways, the pizza was like really, really greasy. Mm-hmm. And I, the thing, there was also this. I think it was a maybe a hippopotamus or something. I can't remember now. That played a played a sax a, or a tuba tuba. Okay. Okay. And it was like you know this animatronic character, and it played mm-hmm. this tuba. And we would sit there as kids in the 80s, and we would grab the slices of pizza, and we'd whip them, and we'd try to get them into the tuba. <laughs> and so, as an adult, <laughs> as an adult... You would be asked to leave. Yeah. No, I... Well, yeah, if you did it as an adult. But uh, I, I have to wonder, like, how often they had to clean out that tuba, because <laughs> yeah. people were always throwing food into the tuba. That That's was, like, awesome. part of the thing. But any case, so I'm driving up Grossbeck, and I see this major magic sign in front of this business. Mm-hmm. In this building, and I'm looking at it. I kind of do a double take. Major, Major Magic's closed like ten years ago. The very <laughs> yeah. last one, and, and the last one hung on for a long time. But so one of those like the last blockbuster kind of kind of yeah. yeah. And so I see this, and I'm like, well, maybe 
Maybe somebody, maybe there's renovating the building or something. Because I mm-hmm. didn't see much in the building, but I just saw the sign out there. And I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe it was one of those cases where they had like a vinyl sign on it or something. Mm-hmm. And they peeled it off in the old vintage one. You've seen that before. Oh, yeah. Like an old billboard or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting here and I'm Googling something different. And the Major Magics thing comes up on my phone. And apparently, hmm. Major Magics has returned. Nice. And... Here I'm gonna I'm gonna re-Google it again, and you know the people that are listening to this podcast are like, "What are these guys talking about?" But it just all, all I've gathered is that whoever the guy to design this was probably on acid when he got the idea for <laughs> animatronic creatures playing instruments serving pizza. Well, they don't serve the pizza; the people serve the pizza, the greasy well, pizza. Yeah. But then, yeah, I don't mean the animals serve it. <laughs> so, so listen to this. I'm just gonna read you the article, and this is from Eater dot com or no from detroit.eater.com okay pizza and animatronics chain major magics is returning to metro detroit the chain is getting reborn with old school pinball machines and arcade games pizza and entertainment chain restaurant major magics is set to return to metro detroit over a decade after it departed cool permacomb daily the family-friendly eatery is set to open on grossback highway in clinton township this winter taking over the former riviera coney island space that means Major Magics is effectively returning from the dead. The chain's final location in suburban Toledo closed in 2010. Hmm. Owner Dennis McDonald has partnered with Chesterfield Township Sparks Pinball Museum for the rebirth of Major Magics. That museum is furnishing vintage pinball and arcade games, Dude. some of which came from pre-existing Major Magics locations. Cool. The museum also rescued some of the animatronic cartoon characters from the last existing Major Magics, and those will also feature at the Clinton Township restaurant. That said, McDonald is suggesting the restaurant will be updated to fit more modern tastes, telling Macomb Daily that this is not the old Major Magics All-Star Pizza Review. Exact details on what will be updated are yet to be announced. Major Magics is in the same family restaurant category as Chuck E. Cheese with similarities that range from robotic cartoon characters that put on a show to menu items like pizza and subs. Expected to arrive in late January or early February. Nice. And it says, according to Google, they're open right now. So I may have nice. to take the kids. But here's what... I'm thinking wheel and field trip. Forget the kids. Well, there's Wait, that. do they serve uh, adult refreshments? I think I think Major Magics did the original. I don't know about this one. Oh, well, I'll say if not, then I'm out. We, well, we can find <laughs> out. We can call them, but... Here's what I'm, I just was kind of, you know, they took museum displays, yeah. restored them, put them back that into is awesome. this. So, you know, people don't always, you know, museum has had that connotation for many years of being musty, dusty places yeah. of forgotten things. A museum, you know, people think, oh, it's a museum piece or, mm-hmm. you know, this place is a museum, you know, you can't touch anything or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of taking on a, a negative connotation. It has, but yeah. auto museums, even like ours, the Mora, you know, they have changed in the last 10 years or so. Yeah. The idea has been now, instead of having these static displays, in fact, if, you, if you've if you read, I'm sure you have at some point or another, we've got right when you enter the Mora, we've got that sign, why oh, do we yeah. restore, or why do we display unrestored vehicles? Yeah. And it explains why some of the vehicles are restored, some of them are not. And part of it is... That museum focus in the last ten years or so has been to get away from static displays mm-hmm. to actually allowing the vehicles to run, drive, and go out to special events and things yeah. like that. So yeah, they might be a little greasy or they might drip a little bit of oil or whatever, but they still run and drive. Yeah. So museums, it's it's just really positive to me and really uh, heartening for me to see that you know there's other museums that are starting to say okay. 
these things that we have, let's put them in something beyond just putting behind glass to look at, but Absolutely. they can actually be enjoyed. Yeah, that that's awesome. And it, it opens up that world that was to a whole new audience. It does. And, you know, that that's going to bring on, you know, if it does well, as it probably will, because that's kind of everything, the whole quote-unquote retro thing everybody's doing right now, it'll explode and it'll bring back more. I highly encourage And that's that's awesome. <laughs> no, it really is. And I, and I encourage museums all over the place to do this, to start to say. Now, obviously, yeah. you're not going to take, you know, uh, a coat that was worn by George Washington and allow people to wear it. Okay? Yeah, no. You're not, not going to do advisable. that. Maybe a remake. But. <laughs> a remake, but to allow things to be able to be seen, in some cases touched, or at least see things brought back to life or... To get away from that that glass panel. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what episode it was, but we did... You might remember when we brought my mom on the mm-hmm. Christmas walk, uh, when she where she talked about the history of yeah. sleighs and sleds. The Christmas walk event that she does, Excuse me. my father, who's now passed away, as you know, but my father uh, had this idea of turning his Christmas walk into a museum that would essentially be behind glass. Yeah. Now, my mom... She liked that idea, but she's always liked the idea of what she does, which is where it's all where there. This is in her home, mm-hmm. and people are walking by these Christmas trees and these Christmas ornaments, and they're right there. They could touch them, they shouldn't touch them, yeah, but they're right there. You get right up and see it. It's and it's like you're experiencing that Christmas, yeah. And that's when we were we took a family trip to Scotland in 2006. And it was the Aberdeen Museum or Museum of Aberdeen, Scotland. And they happened to have this awesome exhibit. They were featuring a bunch of original Leonardo da Vinci drawings on loan from the, the royal family. You get that close to them. You're talking like the one that he drew of um, Kate Winslet laying in that car or that, that bench. Different Leonardo. Different, different artist. Oh, that's <laughs> we different. didn't say that one. <laughs> oh, that's Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. This okay. is Da Vinci. Okay. His, his uh, Italian brother. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, and yeah, though, that was, I mean, they're bolted to the wall behind glass. Don't get me wrong, but they're the original works of art, and it's, it's done that way so you can get up close and see it. That, Obviously, you're not touching that. <laughs> but no, that, that's, that was incredible, though. I, amazing opportunity to see that stuff. I've seen it, the Smithsonian and some of the national museums out in Washington, D.C., the same thing. Where yeah. they now, I remember the first time that I went and I saw, I, I wish I remember which building it is now. It's the Hall of Documents where we have the Constitution, mm-hmm. the Declaration of Independence, things like that. Yeah. The first time I saw that, they were I mean, all... That, that wasn't in Nick Cage's living room? No, it wasn't. Oh. It wasn't. <laughs> they Good were, movie. There it is. They were all behind glass. But there was a velvet rope maybe six feet back. Mm-hmm. And so you're standing there, and you're kind of looking over, and you, yeah. you can see it. The last time I was there, you could walk right up to the glass. That's cool. You could touch the glass, not that you should be touching yeah. it, but it was right there. You could get your face within six inches of That's the document. Cool. You could see it. That Just bringing some of those barriers away at museums. Oh, yeah. The Henry Ford Museum. Have you been there recently? Last time I was there was like third grade, so a long time ago. I'm going to say, so third grade, so for you, that's like, what, five years ago? Six years ago? Ouch. Graduated high school in 2006. Oh, okay. So there, there's some scale for you. Oh, okay, so. all right. Well, same thing. Uh, the Henry Ford Museum, most of their cars and displays used to always be 
behind rails or behind mm-hmm. ropes. There was a few that you could walk right up to. Yeah. But they started rotating the collection a little bit. And for a while, and they may still do it, I'm not sure, but they even did this engines exposed thing Ooh. where they popped the hood of all the thing, all oh, the vehicles nice. in the museum for one month. So That's cool. For that month, you could go through and you could see the engines in the vehicles. Normally, That's they have the cool. hoods closed. And they also took like their Tucker. They have the world's most original, unrestored Tucker. It, unfortunately, nice. it has it is not running and driving right now. Yeah, it's been in their museum as a static display for many years. Mm-hmm. But it used to be behind a rail. It was kind of sit low. It was darkly darkly lit. You didn't really see the car very well. Mm-hmm. They've brought it out now and they've put it right there on the main floor, and you nice. can essentially, you know, get right up to That's touching cool. distance of the car. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's really nice to see these things. You know, it's that interactive display. Like I said, you can you can look at something all day. If you can actually get up close to study it, you know, to look at it in great detail, that that's what hooks people and in interest on things like that. And in the case of this, you know, being able to play old pinball machines, yeah, that's awesome. You know, I uh, a friend of mine. Um, so I work for one of the family companies, the fireworks store. Mm-hmm. He does pinball machines. A lot of them are from the 70s, the 80s, and very cool. plus or minus. And before it was a fireworks store, it was an arcade. And it closed to the public at one point in time. And when it was closed, we, you know, again, my buddy's dad owned it, so we always used to go in there and play. You know, everybody get out of work or something, we'd go in and just hang out at night and play old pinball machines all night. It was great. Oh, yeah. I miss that. You know, we a lot of it was testing him out for his dad. Sure, sure. But no, it was great, and it was free. Well, <laughs> that yeah, was the best part. <laughs> Have you ever been out to Marvelous Marvin's Mechanical Museum? Not yet. I've no, told I know you we've about talked it. about it a few times. Yeah, that's another really cool one. The guy he unfortunately passed away uh, about I think it was four years ago now, and he had been collecting pinball machines and all sorts of memorabilia, you know, from arcades going mm. back over a hundred years, and you can go out there. And for $0.25 cents or $0.50, cents, you can play pretty much anything that's in there. That's cool. There's very little that's display only. Almost everything there that's is hands-on. Awesome. You get to play it. Even He's even got things from like 1890. Wow. That you can go up and put a nickel in. and it. You that's know, awesome. It, it's super, super cool. We should go out there sometimes. I'm for it. For it's sure. not that far away. In fact, uh, maybe we can make it like a dual trip sometime. I know we talked about... My, my brother Jeff, who does all those true value events out mm-hmm. in Williamston, um, maybe we talked about maybe doing a wheel and like live show yeah, out there sometime. Maybe cool. we could go out and do something there and hit Marvelous Marvin's on the way back or something. That'd be awesome. It's like right on the way. So that'd be awesome. Yeah. That would be really cool. I'm down for sure. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, Marvelous Marvin, like I said, uh, I don't remember what his full name, the guy's name was obviously Marvin, but he <laughs> passed away and he left this legacy of. Uh, his museum, mm-hmm. um, which is hands-on and all that. Uh, we, we did lose somebody else uh, this last uh, couple days. And I think it's, maybe... It's not li- been a good week for that. No. <laughs> Why don't we take a quick break and let's talk about um, who we lost this last week. Sounds good to me because i got to fix this mic. It keeps dropping on me. All right. <laughs> so, let's do that. See you in a bit. Puppies are cute. <laughs> 
Spiders are not. Spiders are creepy and ugly, but what will you do? You will call ABC Home and Commercial Services. The Spider Fighters can service your home for these unwelcome guests. ABC Spider Fighters will provide the solution for your spiders, wasps, box elder bugs, Asian lady beetles, cluster flies, and all your visiting insects. Call now for a prepaid discount. ABC Home and Commercial, the Spider Fighters. 810-794-5678. Did I tell you about the spam call I got the other day? No. I was on my way back from Port Huron with my dad. Uh, you ever see any of those Jigsaw movies? Yeah. Are, are or we, Saw movies? Are, are we recording again? Yeah, we are. Okay, I'm just fine. Going All right, just go with it, <laughs> yes. So I get a call, and it's that voice. And it's like, we have your wife. If you don't do exactly as we tell you, we're going to kill her. Okay. It was a restricted number, so I couldn't call him back. It was a computer recording. It's like, all right, I'm not married. I don't have a girlfriend. That you know of? No, I'm pretty sure I don't have a girlfriend. Okay. Uh, Click. I just hung up. <laughs> Weird. I'm kind of disappointed I, I didn't play with him a little more and have some more fun with it, but at some point in the future, maybe. I, uh, I don't, Dude, I don't even know where to go with that. I mean, especially <laughs> since... You know, just before break, which we took for the first time in a little bit of time, an honest-to-goodness break. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we've been off the air for probably like 20 minutes. Of course, if you're listening to this, you, don't, a little know, more than that. you don't know this. We were just touring the new Whelan studio, which is well under construction. It's yep. carpeted. It is half There's the walls. walls are up. Yeah, it's 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 getting there. So. Yep. The new Wheel and Studio on YouTube. For our YouTube listeners, mm-hmm. you'll be seeing something much better than a couple of old T-shirts behind. God knows what that is a behind free, us. Free. Uh, what do you? I don't know. What you call I think it. it's like a Venetian blind. No, not a Venetian Blinds? blind. Drop down curtain or whatever. Blind. Sure. Yeah, whatever it is. I am not. Yeah, sure. I am not a homemaker. <laughs> I'm not Martha Stewart. No, it's evident but. by the kitchen knives holding it up to your doors. Yeah, there is. I mean, that was my idea. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> So, on on a more somber note, uh, we did have a death in the automotive world this this week, Mm -hmm. and this wouldn't seem like something that someone, that you're, I I don't know how to say this, this wouldn't seem like someone you would normally attribute to the automotive world, but very much so he was. Oh, yeah. And... We are talking about the one, the only author, Mr. Clive Cussler. Yeah. Also known as Dirk Pitt to some. <laughs> well, I mean, his character was Dirk yeah. Pitt. Yeah. But in reality, he lived very much the life of his fictional character, Dirk Pitt. Oh, yeah. Well, a number of his books are based in truth. They're, he wrote uh, fic- non- nonfiction. Yeah, he wrote word? nonfiction. Yeah. He wrote fiction. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote a few children's books. Something like 104 total published books or something. Is that right? Something like that. I, I need to catch up. Uh, oh, I'm way behind, I too. I think I am somewhere up around 47 or 50 books. I started reading Custler intermittently probably maybe 15 or 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe even longer than that. Because I think the first book I ever read by him was Raise the Titanic, which was published... In either the late seventies or the early eighties, something like there that. There was a yeah. movie. I had seen the movie. They made that new movie too. Yeah, there's a movie. Oh, I didn't know that. That was the first mo- first one hmm. they made a new movie. I had seen the movie. The movie's okay. It's not great. And in fact, 
Mr. Kessler had gotten into some lawsuits and stuff over the movie because of really, yeah, same thing with Sahara, but with he was supposed to have artistic license with it, and some things didn't happen. I don't, I can't speak 100% intelligently on mm-hmm. that. Um, real quick, say, I'm it's more than 80 books. He's the sole author and lead author on more than 80 books, it says. More than 80 books, yeah, yeah. and. Huh. So I had picked up Raise the Titanic, read that. I had read a couple other books uh, that were kind of out of order from the quote-unquote series. Mm-hmm. His books can all be read standalone. Yeah. But I found that if you start reading a particular series of his books mm-hmm. from the beginning, he does make references to things that happened yeah. in previous books. So you, you enjoy it a little more. Oh, so yeah. I had started doing that probably about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe. And I, I, I am a voracious reader, but I don't sit down and just read the same author all the time. So mm-hmm. I probably read a couple of Kessler books a year. And I think I'm up to 40, like I said, 47, maybe 50 of his books right now. I've got about that many. I've read like two and a half. Two and a half? <laughs> Man, I, I, thought you, I thought you'd read a lot more of his books than that. Uh, I, I need to start reading again. I, I've got a tendency to just go to technical manuals on things. Okay. I I mean, I know a lot of relatively useless stuff. Not that reading you know fiction books are any better. Okay. But I just have a tendency to study manuals on you know certain topics at the time, things that are going on. I, I so. can understand that. And I just need to start reading again, period. I don't even need to know a lot of that. <laughs> it, it is good for the mind. It's good for the brain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mr. Kussler, he, in in real life, he started writing his series of books. The very first one, I believe, was Pacific Vortex. I could be mistaken on Something that. Or, like or that. maybe the Mediterranean Caper. I know that was one of the two of those. Yeah. But he started writing these books. And they were the Dirk Pitt adventure series. Mm-hmm. And this person, Dirk Pitt, this fictional character, was this guy that traveled the world. And most of the books, well, all the books of Dirk Pitt, there was some sort of underwater adventure. Yeah. Scuba diving, submarines. That's upon your recommendations what kind of got me hooked and yeah. tied into all, it. All. all underwater stuff. Yeah. But on top of that, the fictional character Dirk Pitt, just like the real life Clive Cussler, mm-hmm. was a huge car nut. Oh yeah, and so he features interesting vehicles mm-hmm. in every single book. Yeah, the real life, you know, Clive Cussler owned a Jeep Cherokee. Mm-hmm. He ends up putting the Jeep Cherokee, the '97 Jeep Cherokee, which I owned one as well. Nice. Uh, he puts the Jeep Cherokee. Into the series of books, and in the books, I didn't he, know about that. Yeah, in the series huh. of books, he writes in that they had replaced the Cherokee engine with a uh, dragster engine, essentially, nice. and so he's got this high-speed Jeep Cherokee that he can weave in and out. Maybe of. that's a wheeling project for one day. We'll recreate Clive Cussler's Numa Cherokee. Yeah, and Numa. So I'm saying I hadn't <laughs> said that yet. Numa, the National yeah. Underwater Marine. If you didn't. I was going to bring it up. <laughs> oh well, tell us what's what's Numa, John. Uh, that's all I was going to get at. It's just, uh, what isn't it, like dedicated to the archaeology underwater or something like that? Well, exploration. Now, in the book, it's this huge government agency. Yeah. But in real life, there is a real-life Numa. Yeah, that he started. That he started. And yeah. Numa goes around looking for old shipwrecks mm-hmm. and historical things. And they're the ones that found the Confederate submarine Hunley. Oh, wow. And brought cool. up the Hunley. Didn't now, he have a book called Raising the Hunley? 
Uh, that, I maybe well he had a book about it called the, there was the Sea Hunters and then the Sea Hunters Two. I'm thinking something else. They Never might mind. have had the yeah. Hunley story in one of those, but they brought it. The Hunley was the first submarine to successfully sink a another vessel in wartime, mm-hmm. and so this is during the Civil War. It was a Confederate submarine. It was powered by men sitting on a bench with a hand crank, stick of dynamite sticking out or bundle of dynamite oh, out of the front yeah. of it. They blew a hole in the ship, sank the ship. They're backing up quickly. Mm. Something happened. They're still researching it today. Yeah. Thing went down. And a few years ago, they found the Hunley, raised mm. it, and it's since being... Uh, That's one that was in a river, wasn't it? Or am I thinking the Monaco? No, it was in, uh, I think, Charleston Harbor, if I remember right. I remember which one. I know there was one in a river, and then one that was something... Whatever it was, There's a, a friend of mine was on the, the crew, or on the, one of the dive teams... It was like a 420-something foot diving they were doing. No, the Hunley was only found in like 30 feet of water. Yeah, or all right. I'm thinking of the monitor then probably. No, I'm pretty sure it is a monitor. Never okay. Anyways. So, yeah, no, was, they found this. They, ra- they raised the whole vessel. Mm-hmm. It's being restored in a, in a Navy research That's lab right awesome. now. Um, so he led this life, and he went around also with vehicles. You know, in, in real life, he collected things like Duesenbergs mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, vintage French vehicles. And I've just, seen a lot of those pictures on, on the backs of his books. Exactly. It's, yeah, some phenomenal, absolutely beautiful vehicles for sure. For sure. He, uh, he, would, he would get these vehicles, and what's funny, he would modify them. The only way he would modify them is he'd repaint them. <laughs> and what they called Custler colors. He was really into the bright colors. Mm-hmm. So he would get these eye-popping pastels and things like that, and he'd yeah. repaint these vehicles. But he was very, very much a gearhead. Mm-hmm. And originally he was in, I remember reading in one of his books, uh, and it might have been like the the collect the cars of Clive Custler and Dirk Pitt or something, mm-hmm. um, but he had said... So he's got the one or, one or two books about cars. About the cars, yeah. yes. And he had said in the in the one that, he was originally collecting these brass era cars, and then he went to have, I think it was the generator rebuilt on a Packard or a Duesenberg or something, and it cost him so many thousands of dollars, and he realized that maybe collecting some of these 50s cars and stuff would be, <laughs> you know, maybe a little cheaper, but, yeah. you know, so even though he was a multimillionaire, of course, but, you know, he had Still, this... Huge- it doesn't make sense if you know the price points up it like that and he wanted to be able to drive the cars <laughs> yeah. and enjoy the cars kind of like oh, we yeah. were talking earlier his collection was not a static collection but it was a collection that, of vehicles that could be owned and driven yeah and enjoyed. that's the way i am with anything i love the idea of you know like a trailer queen and just something you know spit polish you want to keep looking good for shows and stuff but at the same time i want something functional i want exactly. something that I can just drive down the road and not have to worry about ruining, you know, a thirty thousand dollar paint job or something like that. You know, not to say I'm necessarily going to take a nice old vehicle like that on the highway or a long trip. True, I want to be able to drive it around town or something. I mean, that's what they're made for. Exactly to use. Exactly. So, and yeah. that that's what he'd write into his books. Yeah, and you know, his books, along with the original Race the Titanic movie, mm-hmm. are some of the things that made me fascinated with the underwater world when I was a young yeah. man. I was reading Custler books in the '80s, like I said, intermittently mm-hmm. as a, as a as a young boy, and you know now I've gone back and read a lot of these books and really kind of wrapped my head around what I was reading at the time. But yeah, to me it was like that's where my love of diving, which mm-hmm. unfortunately I'm out of now, as you know, but yeah, maybe come back to it someday. Time. But my love of diving came from that, and then it was like the cars were in there, and I was already into cars, so yeah. it was this natural marriage mm-hmm. of. You know, antique cars 
and the diving world and the adventure and the in the treasure hunting and the, the going because yeah. most of his books that's what they are they're they're finding some ancient treasure or solving mm-hmm. this ancient mystery and he puts a lot of history in there and I love history so a lot of his books were you know this was something where it was you know he would he would cover the history now maybe there would be he would make stretches of it mm-hmm. but I still learned things because I would be reading his books I remember one of them I want to say it was Atlantis found I'm almost sure that's the book Atlantis found he mentions the Admiral Byrd's snow cruiser mm-hmm. and I know you and I have talked briefly about yeah. the snow cruiser before and I'm sitting there and I'm reading this book and I go I wonder if this is a real thing mm-hmm. so I end up researching it look and sure enough and i learned all about and i end up getting caught in you know a google rabbit hole for <laughs> yeah. hours and hours reading all about this so i took something from a fictional book mm-hmm. found out about it in real life what it is yeah became fascinated with that and now i'm hoping a future project of the museum of off-road adventure yeah. can be to maybe possibly locate the real life Snow cruiser, which is potentially frozen in ice in Antarctica. So if I win the lottery, that's on the top of the list. <laughs> it's, in, well, you know, it's in like the top 10, 12 things. You know, so there's there's just all these things. And, yeah. You know, so he's going to be missed, man. I Absolutely. I love his books. I want to show you something. I'm not giving this to you, but I, <laughs> I, I just want to show you something here. Um, check this out and open the first couple of pages and then just read what you take a look there. You don't have to read the book, but... Mm. Um, uh, what Johnny Orange is looking a at? A novel of the Oregon Files. Was well, yeah, Dark Watch? Yep. Yeah. It, it, it's it's actually not one of his better books, but uh, he Clive Custler did a number of different series of books. He had the Oregon Files, and look at that. Oh wow! So what it says: this uh, special hardcover edition of Dark Watch is limited to 100 copies, signed by Clive Custler and Jack DeBrule. Mm-hmm. That is cool. So Clive Custler himself handled that book. Yeah, that is one of the. For, yeah, I don't know how well you'll be able to see that, but uh, that is one of the rarest yeah, Clive Custler books in the world. That is awesome. Uh, that book was only published in soft cover, mm-hmm. and they only published one hundred hardcovers as a special edition. That is awesome. I was able to acquire that a number of years ago. That is uh, cool. That's as I do have a number of Clive Custler signed books, although I never did get to meet him in person i mm-hmm. had purchased from other collectors gotcha um clive Custler signed books but i don't I, think any of mine are signed i don't know why not, not by him anyways by previous owners <laughs> well there you go 90 percent of my clive Custler collection as you know i'm a book guy too oh yeah my my clive Custler collection is uh first edition first printings yeah hardcovers and you know, there's there's a few I still need to patch in that are that are not that. Mm-hmm. But this was one that I happened to stumble upon years ago, and I that's awesome. So yeah, it was kind of cool knowing that the man himself held this book. Yeah, and that is he awesome. Signed it. It was a it was a really neat thing. Speaking of the series, we talked about the D- Dirk Pitt series, which is mm-hmm. still going on. His son has started co-writing the Dirk Pitt series a little mm-hmm. bit with him, so I'm kind of wondering if. Does Dirk Pitt as a character has aged throughout the years as well? He's gone from being huh. this young, dashing single man to now being this married guy with kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wondering if he'll eventually I don't want to say kill off, but you know, send retire. Retire Dirk Pitt. <laughs> send him off into the sunset. Could Clive Custer retire to a farm. Could be. Could be. <laughs> I don't know. Um co wrote 
other series of books. He did The Organ Files, which is about this crew of mercenaries that travel on a derelict freighter that's actually not a derelict freighter. Oh! It's, it's, uh, I remember reading about them, I think, in Flood Tide. Yeah, it's a... It's a I didn't know there was a series of that. There's though. a whole series of The Organ Files. It's, it's a... Um, it's a you know secret ship that they go around and they do all this you know and they're good guys but yeah. they they work out of that. There's yeah. also remember the ship. It's I remember him describing the way he was climbing up the side of the ship and it just from a distance like you said it looks like a derelict freighter. Yeah, all rusted out, beat to hell, and just you know shot full of holes. And he's realizing as he climbs, you know, the more he looks at the side, he's realizing it's it's not. It's all paint. Yeah, it's all fake. It's all a facade. Is that in Flood Tide? That might have been where they introduced it, because Flood Tide's a pretty early book. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Flood Tide. That was one of the first ones I read. I think I'm pretty sure I got it from you, actually. Okay. And then uh, I know I've given you a few of them as I've... Yeah, there was that. I think Trainwreck was one I read, and the one I'm on... can't remember the name of the one I'm on right now. So, um, the Oregon Files, you know, there's cars, and there's more guns in that. He, yeah. was, he was a little bit of a gun enthusiast, but there's more guns in the Oregon Files. Mm-hmm. Some diving. Yeah. There's some crossover between the books and the characters, but not yeah. a ton. There's the Oregon Files. There's also, he has the Fargo series, which is mm-hmm. Sam and Rebbe, Remy Fargo, which is a married couple. I haven't gotten to any of those ones yet. They're a treasure hunting couple that goes around the world. Mm-hmm. That's another series that they do. Uh, he also does the um, Isaac Bell series, which is right now that one of... That was one of what I've gone through. That's one of my favorite series. That yeah. The Isaac Bell series takes place... Starts out around the turn of the century, mm-hmm. the last turn of the century, not the yeah. not the two thousand, but the nineteen hundred, and he has this Isaac Bell character, and he is a private detective that works for. He's also like a millionaire. He inherited yeah. a bunch of money, and he's this private detective, and he travels around, you know, solving these crimes mm-hmm. and things like that for this uh, somewhat fictional Van Dorn agency that they yeah. have in there that's really based off the real-life Pinkertons, which God, is been so interesting. Long since I read that book. Yeah, like I said, remember, lots, of, so lots of history it. here. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, so the, they go around, and in that book, he has a lot of the brass era and early cars. Yeah. And he talks about some of those early race cars, you know, they get up to like 1908, 1912, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, th- and that, that series has really become... You know, close to me, I really enjoy reading that series. Yeah. So he's just a fantastic storyteller. Oh, you know? yeah. And yeah, um, I just wonder where he gets all the ideas. And I can have so many. I mean, it's, he's incredibly talented for sure. Absolutely. I just, it, it's, it's a real loss. He was only, I think, 88. Is that, was he that old? Pretty sure that's what it said. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, oh, go ahead, man. I, I yeah. thought I had read like 82 or something, but it might have been 88, but still. I know that's a good long life, and I know he had lost his wife uh, 15 or 20 years ago, and then he remarried again, but... Yeah, 88. 88, yeah. Um, But, you know, just such a huge loss. He's been a best-selling author for over 30 years. Yeah. A number of his books have made the New York, you know, best-selling book and top 10, things like that. Mm -hmm. He has been not he he's not only just been this author that writes but he has taken his real life adventures moved him oh, into yeah. his books and vice versa he's taken gone after that uh he he's he's funded you know expeditions for other mm-hmm. uh maritime you know shipwrecks and things like that the guy just he's full of life keeps man. going keep going keep going yeah 
He just, said it, it'll be real interesting to see what happens with the characters in the series now. Yeah. For sure. Did, did I, not that it really matters, I mean, but did you see anywhere what he passed of? I, I didn't. I'll, I said, I'll pull it up. Right I mean, quick. 88. I mean, you could be old age, yeah, a lot you of know. Complications here. Uh, let me see. But, you know, I, I just. Oh. I do know, or at least I hope, that his son, Dirk Cussler, he actually did name his uh, son Dirk, Dirk Cussler. That's awesome. And who's a who's a writer with him. I didn't know him. that. <laughs> and Dirk Kussler, I'm hoping, is going to continue to write books um, yeah. kind of under the same series. I know that uh, some of the other authors that he's co-written with for the Oregon Files, for the Fargo Real series. Quick, yeah, his breakthrough novel, they call it, was 1976, Raised at the Titanic. Doesn't say if that's the first one. No, that is not his first one. But that was like the breakthrough one for him. Yeah, that that became um, an international phenomenon. They, it was a huge blockbuster movie at the time. They turned it into a movie. Mm-hmm. It, it's a pretty good movie uh, for the time. It's very very dated now. Yeah, but uh, it was it was a pretty good movie for the time. And then uh, they did turn one other book that he did into a movie, and that's Sahara. I liked that one. Now, yeah, Sahara, I think, is a fantastic movie. Apparently, in real life, Kessler hated it. I've heard that. I've he, heard that a lot, actually. Apparently, Matthew McConaughey had begged him to for the part, wanted <laughs> him to be in the movie. He wanted to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. Went to his house, said, I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they went and did it. The problem I have as a Kessler book fan... Mm-hmm. I I like the movie, but the book is so so much better. It's all almost always the case. But in all fairness, here's the thing uh, though: the Sahara book, which I'd highly recommend anyone who enjoys the movie to read the book. The I Sa- have a copy of it. I the, know Sa- that. the Sahara book has three separate like sub stories mm-hmm. going on in the novel or in the in the book itself. Yeah, three important stories in the movie. They really make it about only one of the stories. Oh. And so there's two other parts of that that book mm-hmm. that really tie in to make a really interesting story. Yeah. That they just kind of omit from the movie. I remember so th- this Unfortunately this dates me a lot, but I remember that when the Harry Potter movies first came out. Cuz I had read all the books at the time and it was the same kind of thing. I don't remember which book but there was when they made a movie of it. It was the first really big one. When they made the movie, there was like Goblet of Fire. Sure, <laughs> that's the fourth book. That's a real big one. Yeah, yeah. there's this, just so many details of it that were not in the movie. Correct. That were so important to the story. It's like one of like six things that were supposed to happen, and they sh- you know it's all in the book. I get it. You got to cut it down for time for a movie, but there was a lot of people. Still, there was a lot of people that complained about that because oh, yeah. they split the seventh book of the Harry Potter series mm-hmm. into two movies, yeah. where the one they should have split was the fourth movie. Yeah, because of the size of the book, Goblet of Fire was so big. It was like yeah. thirteen hundred pages or whatever it was. But um, you know, back to Cussler for a second. You know. Mm-hmm. I would like to say officially from you know Keith Codette here of Whelan, uh, as you know I'm not going to say a top fan, but I've read voraciously almost fifty of the books, and I'm going to mm. continue to read them. 
And he brought others into the addiction of collecting. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you Got know, a few bins full in the basement. <laughs> you're going to be very, very missed. Yeah. And I, I just really appreciate what you did for the world of, you know, automotive collecting, um, scuba diving, Absolutely. underwater adventure, real life research of historical shipwrecks. Yeah. You know, this guy was just he was he was bigger than than anyone could be yeah you know just he he was i don't know what the word for it is he just i'll 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 say in a quick note because i know we gotta cut break here but i know producer andrews mentioned he's a huge fan of the movie sahara i assume you reciprocate the same sense of condolences hopefully (laughs) we can loan him a book and he can read the book yeah yeah. that would be uh (laughs) and then he can he can see some of those storylines that i'm talking about i believe it yeah so let's take a quick break yeah sounds good we'll see you i got i got a couple things and uh we'll go from there sounds good buddy Hey, it sounds like it's time to swap out that old engine for something better, John. Yeah, man, but I have so much into my trans and transfer case set up already. I don't want to change those two. Sounds like you need to call Quick Draw Brand Adapters. They specialize in conversion bell housings for nearly all diesel and gasoline engines, including the new 2.8R Cummins. You know, I like weird engines, though. I want something different. Then you definitely need to visit quickdrawbrand.com today. They have those hard-to-find parts. They also have used diesel engines available. You can call them at 513-446-9654. Cool, I'll do that. See what they have. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome back to Wheeling with Keith and Johnny Orange. Uh, we were just discussing the unfortunate passing of Mr. Clive Cussler. Yeah, I'm, I'm just and, not uh, smiling because that. I, it was... <laughs> Something happened off air. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, well, I just had a, a quick note of passing. This really doesn't have much to do with automotive, but I think anybody who grew up playing with plastic toys or stepping on them has probably cursed this guy's name in some form or another. Uh, so the man, I'm going to try and say this right, Jens Nygaard Nudson, inventor of the Lego figurines, has passed away in the last couple of days. Now, you said that the earlier to me. Yeah, is, he just made the guys. Just okay, the little so people. He, was, he made the Lego people. Yeah. To add to the Legos. Um, yeah. That's really sad, though. I mean... Yeah, I mean, you, you think about how big of an impact Legos have had on, you know, your kids, us as... Well, me as kids. I don't know about you, me as kid. You know, my brother and my sister and all that playing with them. I'm sure you played with them growing up at some point in oh, time. Oh, tons, tons. I mean, probably carved them out of rocks and, you know, invented them. Oh, yeah, whatever. you know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's me. So, and then uh, I got a little piece of 4x4 news here. Sure. Well, I'm sure there's 4x4s on it. So there's a capsized cargo ship full of brand new cars off of the coast of Georgia. They have finally started dismantling it to uh, bring them all up. Mm-hmm. So it's 656 foot long. There are 4,200 brand new cars sitting at the bottom of the ocean right now. It is not just brand new cars. Um, they're using, I forgot what the technology is called. It's similar to LiDAR. LiDAR, okay. Yep. They're using that to image the inside of the vessel. Mm-hmm. I did actually see that myself. Yeah. In a couple of the photos, there are some vintage vehicles as well. Oh, really? I and was unaware of that. one of the ones that was on a couple of the pages I'm on, mm-hmm. there is what appears to be or was a super clean square body Chevy 4x4, Ooh. which is now underwater. <laughs> Ugh. Maybe we cut off our restoration project. Uh, I don't know. For That'd display be... purposes, only, but of course. <laughs> speaking of square body Chevys, we have 
We keep getting requests on those mm-hmm. on the 73 to 87 square body Chevys. Don't know what episode number we're, we're going to do it, but I think if our listeners out there, you know, we're going to do the episode anyways. Eventually, yeah. If you are just super about this, I don't know why. I mean, we've had like four requests for the square body Chevys hmm. now. If you think we just need to do this, you got it. You got to force us. Go yeah. out there on four by four. Tell us. Tell us. <laughs> oh, hey, look at. Come on around here, Preston. Yeah, come on around. Be on camera or whatever. Uh, so you this is Preston. <laughs> Say hi to everybody. Hello. Okay. Right <laughs> so Preston has the patent. Oh wow! From the Lego Man. And that is cool. It is the the inventors are Gottfried K. Christensen and Jens K. Nudson. Yep. That's the person who just passed away. Yep. Wow. So that's the original patent, that's which cool. was done December 18th, 1979 wow. for the Lego Man toy figure. And that is only two months after I was born. Nice. So, so you definitely played with them growing so up. So <laughs> apparently I am older than the Lego Man. Nice. Hey, well, we got Mr. Preston over here, at least on the YouTube, for anybody who's looking. Uh, he is now driving. Congratulations. Hey. Project Z71. Z- you want to have him sit here and say something? If he wants to, yeah. you know. So, here, come on over here. Let's let's talk to him. Put these on if you want to hear. Yeah, this is, this is different. All right. All right. So, okay. So, how are you doing with the driving? Pretty good. Okay. And this is Preston Codet. Uh, he has Project Z seventy one, and uh, the you know little dented and beat up and things like that. So, what are your plans for Project Z seventy one? Well, probably first to replace the fender and potentially the bed, so that way it looks a lot more presentable. Doesn't look like a crushed beer can anymore. Yeah. <laughs> How's it running? You you've driven it more than I ever have. It's running great. I haven't had any problems with it. Okay, and you've got the 5.3 V8. You've got the locking rear differential. Uh, how's it been in the snow and the ice for the last couple of days here? Um, I've only had one time where I, I got like stuck just a little bit, but just put it in four-wheel and I was fine. Oh, you tested your four-wheel already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and when was that? Yesterday, today? Uh, I was today. That was today. So second day of driving, this young man is already putting his vehicle into four-wheel drive. So uh, we're teaching them right. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, um, it, we did, uh, you know, Mr. Johnny Orange over there, he's the one that got you uh, the wheels and tires, oh, yeah, or he right. found them for you. <laughs> So, uh, you know, you've got some decent rubber on there because a couple, when it got hit, the wheels got cracked. But mm-hmm. um, what, uh, anything else you want to say? I mean, is there. When are you going to lift it? <laughs> well, when I have the money. <laughs> when are you going to lift it? I just saw one today, that exact same truck online. I should have saved the picture, but somebody had solid axled it and they had like 38s on it. Oh, oh wow. Pretty good looking truck. Plan idea one. Nice. Yeah. Pretty good looking <laughs> truck. But. All right. You you want to take off, do you? You're just like, oh, I don't know what to do about unwheeling yeah. here. We'll yeah. bring you on in the future again when you do some work, okay? All right. Well, congratulations. Thank you. All right. We're going to let uh, Johnny Orange come back here. That was fun. I didn't expect that. But uh, no, that, I'm, I'm really happy that I've been able to pass down to my kids the you know, the off-road world. It's oh. an addiction. And it's, it's <laughs> it happens. Hey, man. You know what 
Uh, the trouble I would have had if I had a Z71 when I was... <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. still need to do the episode. We talked about it before. I'm still researching it, and strangely oh. enough... I still have not found out when the Z71 RPO code came out. Yeah. And I'm going to put that challenge out there again. If there's a listener that's listening to this, Mm -hmm. and you can conclusively tell us when the RPO code Z71, uh, that was the regular production option, Z71, when that was first used. This isn't even a trivia thing. We genuinely want to know because we don't know. Yeah. You know... We know that the Z71 sticker started getting slapped on the side of the trucks officially in 1994. However, apparently some dealerships had already started doing that as early as 1992. Hmm. But some square body Chevys still had the RPO code Z71 in them. Interesting. So when did the Z71 officially? officially start yeah did it officially start with the introduction of the g80 locking rear axle maybe that was it i don't know got me (laughs) so if anyone out there i've done research on the gm pages i've done it on various forums i've i've gone so far as looking at some of the tech center information they have out there Mm -hmm. nobody seems to know hmm what the hell's a Z71? That's what we're going to call that episode. What the hell's a Z71? I like it. Like, I, I almost want to wait till our play on numbers episode 71, but I, I don't want to wait that long to find out. Well, I mean, it might take us that long to find it's out. It's possible. You yeah. know, maybe we'll never find out. That's but, possible, too. Okay, here's the deal. If that's the case, we'll do the episode at some point. Here's the deal. I Just as research purposes, do us a favor. If you are a listener of Wheelin and you have... Let's say a square body Chevy, okay? Because we already know that, like we said, 92 slash 94, they started officially calling them Z71s. Yeah. So even not a square body. If you've got a pre-92 Chevy or GMC truck, and you've got the sticker in the glove box, and you look down through all the... And RPO code is all those stickers in there. They're A Mm -hmm. through Z. And it says Z71... We want to challenge who has the earliest truck that they can I like find. That. So, you know, if you've got an 87 that says Z71, if you've got an 85, if you've got an 89, whatever yeah. it is, take a picture. We want to know how far back this thing goes. We want to know because apparently even GM doesn't know. Right? If they do, they're not publicizing. It. Yeah. So, you know. Someone somewhere's got to know. Someone's got to know when did yeah. the Z71 start, which it seems like an odd automotive mystery yeah the wikipedia page has almost nothing Hmm. maybe we need to make it i don't know it's possible i've always wanted to add an entry i i tried (laughs) for the mora and it's apparently a lot more difficult than you would think it used to be really easy i remember a friend of mine this back when i used to work at radio shack in the day he changed the description of a we'll just say it not so kind word to the name of another employee and saved oh, it. No, 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 no. And for all of about five seconds, the entire world definition of that word was this employee's name. <laughs> Somebody changed it back real quick. In about five seconds. Wow. And that would that would have been around two thousand seven. So the internet is flooded with know it alls now. Okay. So it probably would be a second or two today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well that's, if it even made it. <laughs> I, I just I would love to to 
you know, wheeling. We are on this task. Yeah. This is our history thing. You know, it might not be finding a vintage Confederate submarine and raising <laughs> it from the top, but we are. No, going... I'm totally on board for that. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. All has been done. Yeah, we are going to research and find out. We're going to figure out and publish eventually the history of the Chevy Z71 because yeah. nobody else has done it. Yeah. So we're going to do that. And if somebody does it before us, then congratulations. We're going to we're we'll cover pro- their work. We'll cover your work. <laughs> but we And give credit, of that, course. We'll give credit. That information needs to be out there. Yeah. And it's just not out there. I mean, you've got information about just about every vehicle. You know, before we wrap this up, John, did you have any other 4x4 news, 4x4 um, I know we kind of breezed nothing over the Lego major. thing, but that, no. that's a sad thing. Mr. Yeah. Hudson's gone. Um, no, nothing nothing major. Um, <laughs> new problem on Pegasus. What's that? Well, I got it started yesterday and took off like a bat out of hell. Thought it was going to run away on me. Ooh. Yeah, I've never heard the engine rev that high. I don't know what's going on. I, I So I've had an issue before with it kind of revving up on me. Thought it was a sticky cable. Mm. So pop the hood, and I'm... Pop the cable off the little shifter thing, and it's fine. Okay. So I start tracing linkage back, and for whatever reason, there's just, like, a lot of drag at the, the pump. Oh. So I hit everything with some WD-40. It didn't free up, so I took a different vehicle to my destination yesterday. Not going to be able to look at it till Sunday, you know, a few days here, so we'll see. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll it, see. It doesn't do it when it's warm, only when it's cold. Mm. So... I don't know. I'm not happy. Okay. Well, not happy. <laughs> ho- hopefully, you get it figured out. Um, yep. You know, that's. Uh, On the plus side, it's starting to warm up soon. It is. It it's is. Like almost 50 in three or uh, next week for like three days. <laughs> Rains all three days, but. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't have really any news personally. Museum news a couple of our posts again, the This Day in Off Road History have gone. Quasi viral, over 20, 25,000 shares, mm. views, things like that. Those are getting really popular. In fact, I didn't even have an opportunity during the break. I was going to tell you and producer Andrew that the last post we did yesterday, or not the last post, but yesterday's post, which was about the um, Willies being given a restraining order by the federal government because they were trying to claim that they had invented the Jeep where Bantam had. Mm. That post is well over 28,000 people now. And, you know, because of that post, just yesterday we have 150 new uh, likes to the museum nice. page. So it's really that little series of things that we're doing is, is bringing traffic to the page. I have a couple ideas I want to talk to you about off air about mm-hmm. what we can do with Whelan to Sounds do good. kind of the same thing, bring up our social media yeah. on that. So. You know, we'll see. But back to the numbers thing, this is episode 46. Mm -hmm. We had talked about what to do for 46. Yep. I would like to do a couple of quick honorable mentions, if that's cool with you. That's fine. And I've got uh, a shout out and just one other thing uh, before we end it. So after you, sir. Okay. Well, um, 46, we've been playing on numbers a lot. We originally wanted to do this as a Dodge Power Wagon episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Because 46 is the year the Dodge Power Wagon came out. Yeah. The gentleman that has loaned us the number 12 Power Wagon for the museum Mm -hmm. is quite the Power Wagon historian. And he is going to come on air potentially with another Power Wagon historian. 
but they weren't available tonight. So yeah. we're going to have to rain check that. Yep. 46 is also the year the CJ2A came out. Mm-hmm. Technically 45 on that, but really 46 was the first civilian year production year of vehicles after World War II. Yeah. So in the off-road world, we got the CJ2, we got the Power Wagon. Um, you know, I'm trying to think what else we would have gotten. A bunch of surplus World War II Jeeps mm-hmm. available for as cheap as $50 oh, a piece. Got to have that kind of... Availability now. <laughs> <laughs> How would you like that to be able to go down to your surplus place and buy a Jeep oh, for like 50 bucks, you know? I'd blow a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so oh, stupid amount. You had, uh, you know, that going on. You had a lot of new automotive manufacturers coming up with new ideas. Yeah. You know, it was just a, it was a time of dreaming about the future. Mm-hmm. And so cars, trucks, off-road vehicles were just booming. Yeah. 46 would have been the first year for civilians to really purchase a lot of Jeeps Mm -hmm. products, um, some power wagons. So, you know, 46 was essentially the, uh, not the first year of the 4x4. I mean, we know the 4x4 goes all the way back to 1901. Yeah. It was, you know, the first year where they started to really become part of the American public. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. um, we'll do some stuff with that. You said you had some... Why don't you finish this out on your shout-outs, Yeah, John? so uh, quick note just to Tim down in Cleveland. Sorry, I didn't remember or catch your last name offhand, but uh, he, I met up with him and had a sale uh, this past week, and he was telling me about a Expedition XJ project he and his buddy are working on. Nice. Yep, so I've asked uh, if you're hearing this, you know, still keep us in mind when you get that done. Keep us updated. Definitely want to hear more about that, see some pictures, maybe talk to him about it. Yeah, And yeah. hear about, you know, trials, tribulations, and uh, journeys on that. Uh, also, just want to say for everybody out there, if you're listening and haven't checked this out on YouTube yet, uh, just type right in youtube.wheelandradio.com. That'll bring you right up to our YouTube page. Check us out, hit like, subscribe if you want to see more of it, and just, you know, let us know what you think. You know, if you want to see more of something, more of... Not something. <laughs> Let us know. Well, at least for the viewers on YouTube, I don't know if we'll be ready the next episode, but really soon oh, here, yeah. the studio will be. Yes. We've got we've got some surprises. Producer Andrew, I don't want to give it away right now, but <laughs> producer Andrew was sending you and I, yeah, some really Test files, some really cool things today. <laughs> yeah. I don't think those were public. Hopefully, I think they were oh, private. No, nope, he's no. nodding his head. Okay. No, they were private. <laughs> There's some really cool technological things that yes. he's doing. The new studio. It's coming together. It was <laughs> we had some things that kind of fell together at the right time. Yep. And we're getting a much nicer studio than we thought we would be getting. Yeah. So this is exciting news. Yes. The Wheeland Studio is going to be and and I nice. think I think that's <laughs> what we need to call it. Instead of being the thin line off-road studio. Um you know, Thin Line Off-Road still exists, but it's kind of taken a back burner to uh, what we're doing with Wheeling here. Yeah. I think it really needs to be the Wheeling Studio. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll flip a coin. We'll flip <laughs> I've a got coin. some other ideas. you got some other ideas. I do, I you do. got we'll, some other we'll, ideas. We'll talk about that when we're done here. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, John, you got anything else, man? That's about it. All right. Well, you got to remind me tonight. we got to do the show notes. Yep. Um, and speaking of that, if... You know, we try to put as much information as we can in our show notes. Uh, a lo- you know, we don't put a lot of different links to different things, but 
um, you know, the show notes are a good portion, good part to read about our yeah. shows. So if you go to like podbean.com, download the podcasting app, or you go to the Apple uh, podcasting services, or it's called Apple Podcasts now. I don't know. The show on. notes are on there. <laughs> so you can read through them. There's usually a paragraph yeah. or two. You can figure out if it's a show that you want to listen to. Hopefully you listen to all of our shows. But, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, and anyways, you know, thank you for listening. And, yeah. uh, John, you know. Well, like you said, couldn't have said it better. Thanks for listening, and have a good one, everybody.